Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And we are back after what was a pretty insane first week of the final series, Boxhead. Yeah, it's crazy. Very, very good round of games. Uh, the only one, I guess, that sort of got away after a pretty decent first half was the the panthers Parramatta game. Penrith coming over the top strong uh, in the end in that one. But Melbourne and Raiders was a back-and-forth affair. The shootout between the Cowboys and the Sharks was absolutely outstanding. And then today, I don't even know if I could call that a game of football. That was insanity. Yeah, it was... Like a war, wasn't it? Mm. It was almost Crazy. like a WWE pay-per-view main event. It was like a Royal Rumble for two hours. It was the longest game of football of all time. Yeah. Um, but what a week, and a couple of the outsiders got up. We talked about how important it would have been on that side of the draw for the Sharks and the Cowboys to have that advantage of staying at home. I know for the Sharks, not home ground, but not having to travel and then having a break off the back of just getting a few back from injury. On the flip side... North Queensland in the end get a huge advantage now with a week off, get to stay in Queensland in a preliminary final at their home stadium. That's massive for the Cowboys. Huge, huge. Uh, the Panthers, we spoke about it, a lot of talk about Cleary. Cleary was outstanding. Um, they right the wrongs of last year. After three years of COVID and being ever so consistent, they get a home final. The atmosphere was outstanding and they took full advantage as well to move to week three. Yeah, they did. So at the moment, those two teams in the driver's seat Obviously, as we always know, for a grand final appearance, when you get to that preliminary, it's certainly no guarantee, but it makes things a hell of a lot easier. So Panthers, Cowboys, driver's seat. I think the Sharks would be feeling a little bit better after what they saw today between the Roosters and Rabbitohs after they played 93 minutes because mm. those two teams went to war. Um, it's now been confirmed. The fixtures for next week, so Friday night, will be the Parramatta Eels up against the Canberra Raiders at Combank Stadium. So Parramatta now obviously have to do it the hard way um, and go the long way around, but certainly usually a pretty good team at home, but I think Canberra will, will be a handful for them. And then on the flip side, you have the Sharks now playing Souths at Allianz. So three weeks in a row, a belter game at the new stadium. Mm. Um, very, very so. interested, so... Uh, we're obviously going to wrap up the season of the two teams that were eliminated, which were the Melbourne Storm and the Sydney Roosters, two teams that came in with some hope, yep. um, but both gone after tough seasons Tough for yeah. the club in different regards. But we'll review their season as well as look at these four clashes and the teams that played. Um, but all that thanks to bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with anyone, do it with the true blue Aussie bookie. There is no one better and Three in a row on the charity bets. Angus Crichton, not the greatest day for him. He obviously ended up KO'd and come up with a couple of critical errors, but hmm. early in the piece, uh, he got another $150 in the kitty for us. So we've gone over that $1,000 mark, which we wanted. Yep. We're $1,102.50 for the Bears of Hope. So great result. And again, thank you to Bluebet for supporting 
uh, our charity. So if you're going to have a bet with somebody, do it with a bookie that supports charity. Um, and obviously, we gave our Penrith Solar final power rankings from last week. Number eight was Raiders. They've pushed their way through. Yeah. Melbourne Gornskis, I think I had them at six. Uh, and the Roosters, I can't remember what I had them at. Maybe five or seven, but they're Gornskis as well. So mm. in those rankings, the number eight, the Canberra Raiders, who come into the week, I think $50 plus to win the competition. They slightly went into $15 temporarily. I think now they're back out to 19 or $20. So yeah. um, everybody else in the field is $10 or less. Canberra, the real outsider, but um, I guess we'll get to it when we... Talk about it a little bit later, but I, I, I could really see them winning this week. I don't think they have the style to go with Parramatta if they want to. Yeah, well, let's just see how the, so, see how the week pans out. What do you want to do first? Review the games or do the seasons for the two teams? Well, let's review the games. Let's review the games. We kick off then. Friday night was the first one. We had the Panthers up against the Parramatta Eels at Penrith Stadium and 27-8. Uh, I think for Parramatta, the first half pretty much sums up the game. I thought they had the better of the opportunities. Mm. Possession, repeat sets, they weren't going to get better chances. And I think the biggest disappointment for them is for a team that likes to play attacking football, I think they wasted too many plays. Yeah. Too many one-outs, too many set-up plays, too many crashes against the team in Penrith that will just eat up pressure, will back-to-back on their goal line, will lay in the ruck, will slow, hunt from the inside, try and shut down plays. And after a million crash plays, it eventually paid off for them um, on the top of you know some errors, the sin bin for Taylor May, which in the end ended up costing him a try when they did what we said they would and bomb Wanga Blake, which which hit paid her, but heading into half time at 7-6 when Cleary marched down the other end after Moses missed a field goal. You certainly didn't think that Penrith could play any worse the second half. <laughs> and it certainly wasn't the case. They came out and just absolutely put the squeeze on Parramatta. They did, absolutely. Um, and I'm sorry, Parra fans, but they folded like a deck chair and I think the harder part is it didn't get any better in the sense that Moses copped a brutal knockout when Kikau went across him. Lane copped a head knock as well. Um, you know, And just overall, I guess, watching the frustration of what, what happens again when Penrith do get on top. And that's, again, you've beaten them twice, but finals time now. New season, new benchmarks you need to hit. You switch off just for that little period of time and also complete the way they did. I think they had 14 errors and completed like 60-something percent. Mm. You're not going to win finals games. No, it makes it difficult. Um, overall, yeah, like I said, I, it, was, it was really hard. I just think they didn't get enough out of that first half when they had a lot of position, uh, field position, territory, and opportunity. Yeah. And you said it yourself at times. You get frustrated watching some of these teams with set-up plays. Like, I don't know how many times they just had one-outs or wasted plays before they'd have a crack. Yeah, sort of trying to work out what their plan was. Mm. <clears throat> I, I walked away from that game, and I, I was very, very confused about what Parramatta's plan was, mm. how they were going to beat Penrith. Like, even when May was in the sin bin, Parramatta did not attack that wing once. No. During that set, it was it was mind boggling. Some of the stuff we saw, but I think mm. they did another thing we spoke about, which I did <laughs> like. They started with Murata. They went that three prong physicality, which did pay early. I thought Regan was very very good. Paulo bad challenge early in the piece, but overall, um, you know, did his job. They had that extra second phase that we talked about. I think they had seven extra offloads. Madison come on, had three or four. There was a couple out of those other key forwards. But in the end, um, I think all those other parts that we talked about, good decisions on their edges. Nathan exposed Panasini once. He went at Arthur. Once he came on, they got a Ropacek's edge for that Crichton try. Got them to dig in and kind of commit to set up the one for Toto, who come up with an outstanding finish. And they just tortured Absolutely tortured Wanga Blake, as we thought they would. Mm. Um, some of those 
deadpan bombs that he puts up. They weren't even in the box or in that corner. He was just purposely trying to find Wanga Blake to make sure he had to contest him. And <laughs> obviously their kick pressure forces him into having to take those bombs because we spoke about it the week before. Melbourne off the back foot. There was a few times a kick went up and he didn't look comfortable, but he had no pressure on him. Penrith did the complete opposite. They were dropping him short. The first one, I think, was 35 out, but it yeah. was just almost here, yeah? Seeing you handle this, and full credit to their front rowers. When Fisher-Harris picked that up, flicked it to Laota and summed it up to get it to Toto, again, come up with a great finish. That that was a pretty impressive moment for two front rowers to put that together. Yeah. Um, but that, that sort of moment probably sums up the first half. They, they made something out of nothing. Mm. Well, I thought <clears throat> I thought the first half, Penrith were just as clunky as Parramatta, really. Yeah. Uh, but... <laughs> Mate, after that, yeah, ruthless, just, yeah, just ruthless. Fish mm. thought was outstanding. Uh, forwards in general, kick out probably a little bit too pass happy on the night, but overall, I thought the second half he brought his physicality, which he'd want. Yeah, um, Nathan didn't miss a beat. I know they were clunky in general, but he ran, like I said, he exposed that edge. Kicking game was outstanding. The bombs, uh, you know, found touch a couple of times. The field goal. The fifth player run off the line break that he set up in the second half to then run again when Campbell Gillard shot out of the line, set up Fisher-Harris to score. He certainly didn't miss a beat in his first game back. And again, a bit of a shot fight, I guess, to the rest of the competition to let them know that you know things are going to be going through Penrith. Absolutely. But yeah, absolutely. Probably the only thing that confused me a little bit, and again, I, I, I know the reason why, but I still just don't think he needs to do it. Starting with Mitch Kenny, I know it's take the sting out, and up, but RP to me is an 80-minute player. Unless he's injured or you're a little bit worried, about him in, in some regard or the amount of games he's played this year. I, I, I don't quite get it, yeah. to be honest. I just think finals <clears throat> time, you play your best players. Mm. Similar thing we talked about with Parramatta, maybe having a slight advantage with their bench if they could match it early with Penrith, which they weren't able to take advantage. Oregon ended up coming on and making a difference, as did Madison with his second phase, but in the end, um, it didn't really matter. Spencer, you know, got his limited minutes. Sorensen done his job. Salmon got on late after that, the reshuffle for May, etc. but... Yeah, I, I just think, for me, RP Corris, the outcome grand final day, I pray them, he's not playing 60, 65, 55. He's playing 80 minutes. Yeah. So, no knock on Mitch Kenny, but for now, you're trying to win a comp. Best hooker plays 80, full stop. Definitely. Um, and, yeah, I get, again, people would say, similarly, it's a tactic, take that brain out, but RP is fully capable defender, much better deception-wise. You could see the difference instantly. We talked about clunkiness in their attack when he got out there. Straight away, he brought accountability to the ruck. The shift shapes looked better. Yo, Cleary started linking up a lot easier. Like, it just all seemed to flow a lot quicker after that 20-minute mark when he got onto the field. Mm. So, um, yeah, I can see the reason why they put Kenny on. Mm. But I, I didn't love it. No, nah, neither did I. But, uh, yeah. I mean, it will achieve it, achieved its purpose, I suppose. Mm. And I think, again, for Penrith, you're just happy here that... No, yeah, just... Ivan spoke about it after the game. He sort of said, look... We knew that their strength was their middle and that's where they were going to come hard, so we yep. just wanted to take Corsair out of it. So that, that, that all makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like we said, I think we know the reasons. Just yeah. moving forward, I, yeah, for these big games, it's not quite the way I'd be looking to go. But again, I thought a couple of their forwards did their job, in particular Regan, Madison come on. But defensively um, for them, I guess second half, they poured through. They exposed those young edges. They beat them down with a kicking game. They did all the things we thought they would do, mm. which... Possession, territory, field position, the strangle went on and the bubbles burst in the second half and it burst bad. So I guess for Parramatta, your question here for this week is Moses' health, Lane's health, um, getting back home and trying to right the wrongs. And against a team like Canberra who do 
something very similar to Parramatta in terms of second phase, second efforts, breaking you down in the middle. Um, they went right after Melbourne. They moved the point of attack. They did all the things similar we talked about to try and disrupt them. And I, I, Parramatta, out of all those teams, like we said in the top eight, defensively at times can get a bit loose. Yeah. So I think if Canberra bring what they brought with their forward pack and defend the way they did against Melbourne, in particular inside 20, I think they're a huge chance against Parramatta. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, for the Penrith side of things, straight to week three, worked out a little bit of rust. I think you're only concerned, like a lot of people, they rested some players, guys suspended. Is all the time off a bad thing? But then on the flip side, you look at last year, they had to go the long way. They weren't healthy. They got it done the hard way. I'm sure if you ask them how you'd want the blueprint to work out, they'd be much happier with the path they're taking this year. Yeah. So I guess the only question for them, Taylor May, a lot of people brought up, the karma of the situation, he's injured and or possibly suspended. Yeah. So the hamstring looks like a possibly one to two weeks. I think suspension, he's at least going to get a week. So mm. you think you'd just take the guilty plea, wouldn't you? Bring in Robert Jennings for that game on the wing. Yeah. Um, we looked at that the other day. Yeah, I think I'd, yeah. They've used Staines, Taruva, Jennings. To me, the best yardage carry out of the three is <laughs> Jennings. I think he's a great option. Yeah. I wouldn't be bringing Staines in. Um, I know Taruva is pretty solid, but I think your best option is probably Jennings. And then on the flip side of that, Lenyu. I don't know if he got charged or if he's going to be missing. But again, I think they've got just as good a replacement in a Hopgood to bring on the bench. So that's the beauty of having the squad depth they've got still for this season. Obviously going to be tested a lot more next year. Yeah. Um, but I think they've got two very capable replacements in those two positions to walk into the prelim final. For sure. And then assess again for the grand final. Um, but anything else to add on that one? No. No. There we go. We move on from that. Raiders Storm, 28-20. Um, for Canberra, all I can say is just wow with their forward pack. I've been very, not super critical, but just kind of question at times Papali, like where he's at in terms of his football. It seemed like he was just sort of cruising through the year in origin. He was a bit flat, but... He turned up and then some yesterday and got on board with Joe Tarpany. And that's yep. the thing you've been sort of waiting for all year because Tarpany pretty much, bar none, I think has been close to the best prop in the competition in terms of what he offers. Yeah. But for Papali to get back to the level he was when he was probably the best prop a couple of years ago, back-to-back as a duo, they were just a nightmare for the Melbourne Storm middle. Um, and off the back of that, they were able to just work off second phase, make them make second efforts. They really made a focal point of trying to get at Nick Meaney. He had just an absolute tortured night. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of missed tackles on him. They got a few <clears> tries <throat> through him. And I think the other beauty of when you've got guys with that footwork or that you have to be accountable for, like a Tarpany, that you don't get first contact and he commits two or three defenders, he ended up creating three line break assists on his own. Yeah. Just because he's not a guy that you can just put two bodies on, blade and chop. Like He'll make his first contact, push back, get two or three guys kind of crowded and pull your line apart. You know, Papali does the same thing as a battering ram. I, I think they just did a really good job punching holes in Melbourne and pulling that of shape and being able to get out those sort of players. And probably the flip side of it again, we, the biggest thing we questioned for them, a lot of the times their defensive attitude, I think the first five minutes pretty much summed up where they were at for the night. They turned Melbourne away three or four sets in a row, rolled 80 metres upfield. He created one of those line break assists we're talking about when Tomoko scored and think very early they signaled their intentions to Melbourne. Yeah, definitely. Um, Melbourne side of things, I guess. They were just, yeah, they were short, bit... short on troops, which we knew. We thought if Canberra came with their style of footy that they'd be able to cause them some issues, and that's exactly what happened. And it was just scoreboard pressure. Canberra always were able to apply scoreboard pressure to Melbourne, and you knew with Melbourne mm. having to chase was always going to play into Canberra's hands, and... 
it was, it was probably only that little period where I think Coates scored his second off the Jerome Hughes kick that I thought, okay, like Melbourne are wrestling back a little bit of control here. And I think they might have even kicked out to a lead there, did they? Mm. A slight lead or were they just nah, slightly they, behind? They got two to get back to 8-4, then Canberra kicked on and got into halftime 16-8. Mm. So, yeah, look, at there was that, that period of the game I thought was critical for them, but they relinquished control of the game after that. Mm. And I think and Bellamy pretty much... That was probably the only part of the game where I really felt like Melbourne were applying significant pressure to Canberra. Yeah. I think Bellamy pretty much summed it up in the end. I think his biggest disappointment, and obviously with the ins and outs they had at the back end of the year, he said was just consistency, attack and defense. Some weeks they were brilliant in attack, they were bad defensively, and there was a few weeks they defended quite well, but they didn't attack well. Um, and he said as much the last two weeks. He thought that their defensive effort against the Roosters and Parramatta was pretty good considering the players they had, but their attack wasn't good enough. But in a semi-final, he said 20 points should be enough. Yeah. But we conceded 28, and his biggest disappointment was obviously those moments I talked about where Tarpany just simple drift and a tip and Elliot Whitehead crashes over. You don't see that from Melbourne. Or Fogarty off a scrum mm. gets literally straight through Meany again and scores, like carries three blokes over the line. That's that's not what you associate with them defensively. No. Um, so he was pretty disappointed, but those two plays back-to-back were huge just before halftime. Fogarty at the scrum, Tarpany, tip on to Elliot Whitehead. Melbourne certainly needed to be the first to score in the second half. And I, I'll give some raps to Marion Seve. Again, I think he played a lot more football than what anyone expected, but he got better as the year went on, and he came up with a huge play um, to set up that try with Munster and Coates to get him back to 16-14. They had that little bit of control that you talked about where on the back of that, Nelson crashed over after being a threat all night. Like Jack and Hudson and those blokes, they missed a couple of tackles, but not through lack of trying. Mm. They were dealing with a bloke who's been an outstanding form and been the real driving force for their forward pack, which is really missed Welch. And I think, again, what I spoke about, um, you know, just... From a Storm fan perspective, I can see why definitely they wouldn't be matching the offers for some of those guys that are going to the Dolphins. It is time for a bit of turnover at Melbourne. Yeah. Um, and that, that was pretty much one of the reasons I didn't probably have a lot of confidence in the back end of the year. They could go deep. Like Jesse, while he's still a good player, he's not the Jesse of the mid-2014s, 15s, 16s, when he was the best prop in the comp. No. Um, Felice, it's been a hard year. I think he was still solid at times. Kenny, very good player. But again, um, it, it's definitely time for a bit of a bit of turnover, but from that point on, I guess there was one critical moment, um, the challenge on the kick contest. I thought, in my opinion, the Harry Grant kick challenge penalty was wrong. I thought he contested the ball the whole way. And then on the flip side of that, Munster challenge one on him with Chris where pretty much doesn't contest the ball. Like, I think he knocked it on on purpose, which is stupid. Mm. But I don't think he was ever there genuinely to contest the ball. They ended up challenging and they called it, you know, Gave him the challenge back and said it was a knock-on. Um, I think if you look at one and the other, I don't know, you can give a penalty for one, you can't give one for the other. Yeah. But that was the critical turning point. That gave them a dropout. Munster doesn't clean up the kick, unfortunately. He goes back-to-back on those sort of plays. Hudson Young sneaks in under him. <coughs> um, and then they just can't seem to get it together. They made a couple of errors, and Canberra scored that try off the Falcon, which was really hurt, to be honest, but... That's rugby league. It's in the rules. Yeah. Um, didn't come off his hands, went forward, Rapana dives on it, and Fogarty kicked that critical goal from the sideline, which iced the game. And fully deserved. I'm, I've got no excuses for them um, and, and what 
what happened. I just thought that was sort of one moment that I kind of looked at and didn't understand why the penalty didn't go both ways, but it didn't cost them the game, that's for sure. The defence cost them the game. Yeah. Um, they weren't good enough in that area, but even for someone like Munster, I saw a few people being critical. Like, there was a lot of pressure on the bloke. Once Pappenhausen went down with the reshuffle, when you're trying to make plays, you overplay your hand at times. And unfortunately, in that circumstance, he probably got it wrong, and then he missed that footy. Mm. Um, I thought Hughes was pretty good, considering the injury. The past month or six weeks that he sort of played through, he did his best. Uh, it was probably just, again, like I said, some of those forwards that were disappointing. Uh, I thought Nelson was outstanding. Harry Grant was very, very good again, uh, as he has been for the most part of the year. And Sebo, like we talked about, really good contribution. But for Canberra, Tarpany was next level, and Papa Lee went with him. And I think it was one of Fogarty's best games, and Whitehead certainly looked fresh, and Jack was good, and Young again. So with, with their forward pack, some stability out of the backfield and a bit of a combination building with the halves there now. Canberra's in a, in a pretty good position here to, again, like we said, potentially get through to a prelim. Yeah. Um, I think the only question mark they have coming out of this game is Elliot White. Oh, sorry, Elliot. Adam Elliot only played 30 minutes. And I don't quite know what the injury is, but I think they're worried about a groin injury or even like something bone-wise there. They're not sure. So they're going to have to look at that this week. Mm. If he goes out, um, I guess you could potentially start Horsberg at 13 and bring someone else onto their bench rotation. They've got currently Harrow and Ira, Starling, Horsberg and Gula. So they'd be finding probably an extra middle. Um, or someone for that sort of role, but um, he's been very, very good at an elite for them. But, yeah, that that one, we'll just have to wait and see how the week pans out, I guess. Yeah. Um, but for Melbourne, Gornski's Week <laughs> one in. Wasn't expecting that, um, but I dare say on the flip side, a lot of teams wouldn't have got to the position they did with the injuries they had. So, Gorn. Uh, Roos, oh, not Rooster, sorry. I wrote these down in the wrong order. Cowboy Sharks, 32-30. I was not expecting this to turn into a shootout, but it did. It was a massive shootout. <clears throat> this um, one surprised me. Really surprised me. Just with, yeah, the points. Like I said to you last night, I was like, I think this will be a low-scoring one of the weekend. It's at the prison, and we even said that in our preview. It's at the prison, and, uh, you know, both very good defensive sides, at least we thought so prior, prior mm. to the game last night. Uh, the conditions, the crowd, I just thought, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a drag them out slugfest but it turned out to be anything but and it was well probably the, the the most defensive 13 minutes were the last 13 minutes oh 100% mm. I, I think on, on the flip side of that there was a couple of poor reads but there were some very well constructed tries as well yeah there was some good football um, and some of the moments like oh, oh, let, let, let's take it this way there was a few poor ones in particular the first two like the Gilbert one's an effort try it's not a poor one but that's just an effort try yeah he pulls that one out of the air Come out really revved up. They were straight into the Sharks early. It was a great start. And then on the flip, you get out the other end and probably the low light in a performance, which was absolutely outstanding. Tamalolo's contact on Rudolph was horrendous. Mm. He barely jersey grabbed him and left drink water to handle the front row on his own. So that try was a little bit worrisome. But most of the ones that followed after that were really good football. Mm. Um, the Sharks, I think you basically brought it up, that they were playing sort of that tramline to tramline shape, getting up the space between the half and the back rower and, they were starting on the open, sweeping late. Their halves were linking up. Moylan and Hines they did a really good job. They sort of did a good job at isolating those players. Um, a lot of their tries come from that way. The one for Sifa come from that link play between those two. Yeah, I think they just um, identified that both halves like to be very tight on their inside shoulder. Mm. And they were just trying to smash their inside shoulder with leads and open up the space in behind them. Or they were waiting for that space to be really 
wide after they played a couple of sweet runners and then playing through mm. and that's what hitting the lead. Yeah, it was, they, they it was got, good play. They got Chad like that. They isolated Luciano at one stage there, and Dude was a little bit wide. Um, like you said, they found found ways to play in between the four and the three man, as they call it, defensively or technically in those numbers. <laughs> four and three is obviously your back row and your half, but mm. they really worked over both those spaces. Um, and they did a pretty good job in that regard. For the Cowboys, I was just, I guess, I think I was more worried about Cronulla defensively because I thought they broke down the Cowboys with some good shape and good deception, whereas some of the tries that the Sharks let down I thought were just poor. Yeah, um, The one with Tommy Dearden from dummy half was awful yeah. defensively. Like, get caught at marker. I think it was Hines maybe or Moylan. I think it might have been Moylan because it was his edge. Rushed up, one out, left a space. Nakora has his back turn and Ueli doesn't come across. He just literally poured through three players and mm-hmm. ran 60 metres. That one wasn't great. The one on Sifar probably exposed why he's played centres coming through the juniors. His mobility one-on-one in space with a quality centre in Peter Hicker is really underrated. But that play was a really good piece of footy. Tamalolo fired a 20-something metre pass to get outside of where the ball hit the ground and a lot of defenders were. And Hicker just showed his quality. Just stood up Sifar. Mulitalo was on the back foot. Sold Kennedy to dummy. Like he had to sell three players to score that try. That was an in- individual effort. Absolutely brilliant individual effort. Um, and I think the other try that impressed me for them, I think second half was at the Cowboys. They went coast to coast. I think they got caught in the corner on play four. Yeah. Chad flipped it. They've gone that long side shift, and Holmes's tap on was outstanding to get Torluggy in for that first try. But this one was just a back and forth. Every time one of them, one team took the lead, the other one snatched it back. Um, but I guess we arrive at the critical moment in the game where Tracy has a no try and then not long after that we have and then a lot of people angry about the home situation would he have got to him would he have not got to him your interpretation on that and then not long after Tracy's obviously involved in the biggest moment of the game with Valentine Holmes again yeah um, what was your opinion on that do you think it was a sin bin um, oh. like, I, I sort of look at people go he's there simultaneously I think he probably was more on the man than he was the ball but it is a hard call I would have been I would have been happy with a penalty try yeah, and no bin. No bin. Yeah. I think the bin... Mm, I don't know. That That's my opinion. I, I would have just gone, look, he probably scores if he doesn't get interfered with. Hard one for Connor Tracy because he's... Does he play the man or the ball? Does he play both? I think he's probably playing both. He's trying to... He's playing the man, but he's also playing the ball in terms of he's trying to time his contact for when... Valentine Holmes contacted the ball. That's that's the art of that mm. situation. It's a very hard one to get right, particularly when you know the his vision of the ball would not have always been within full sight. So he's actually re- reacting to Valentine Holmes's movements as well. So yeah, look, in my my opinion, I get why the Simbin was administered. I would have liked to have just seen penalty try and we move on 13 v 13, but that that's me. Yeah. It significantly changed the game though. Like, But the Cowboys didn't deserve to be disadvantaged because they did everything right. They deserved to score a try there. It was a try scoring situation. It was deemed to have been a foul. So that's why the Sid Min... Mm. And I, th- I think again, because he did, like you said, sort of land there at that time, they were basically saying they couldn't be 100% that he would have scored... But yeah, but that, that's, that's where I sort that's of go, what's going to have the big impact on the yeah, game? Yeah, exactly. You're thinking if you give the try, they'd probably move within two, then we get 13 on 13 to finish. You know, on their flip side, they 
a shin bin. Took the chance. To and take that, it. that completely changed both teams' mentality. Mm. Well, they took the two with the field position they were in and decided that they were going to try and go for the try after that. Yeah. Um, I heard different... Like, we talked about the time that we disagreed on what we were doing. Then I heard a good chat today between Cherry Evans and someone else on a panel. Like, everyone... Differing opinion, not saying any opinion's wrong, but in the end, obviously for them, it worked out how they'd hoped it would. They took the two, they got to attack a few times. His sort of thinking today when Cherry Evans, I think I saw one of the TV shows, was obviously attacking inside 20, generally you're a bit more cramped for space, and they obviously thought that if they could take the two, roll up field, get some momentum off some play the balls while they were short, they'd have a better yeah, chance. Yeah, I still completely disagree with it. Oh, I'm not saying, again. Yeah. I would have tucked we disagree on because you the biggest hurdle is scoring a try. Mm. So I would have gone to and not score a try. They were obviously confident. They yeah, could I'm not going to go back and forth again. on it because no. my mind might be changed on it. That's I'm not my saying opinion. your mind's going to change. But mm. yeah, we obviously, I don't think there's a right or wrong on it either. No, that's what I mean. We it's, talked about it last night, our reasoning. But um, that was the logic they went with and ended up paying off in the end. And um, the critical moment, again, got to play the ball, long pass, and I think it was Moylan again, sort of come out and isolated and Teague Wilton didn't follow in and Tom Lolo drove a truck through that space. But when you're short, it's one thing to shoot out of the line, but you've got to land on the man. You picked the wrong man. I know Wilton probably should have pulled in as well, but with 12 on the line, you don't want to be leaving like that. Yeah. So they exposed Moylan a few times. That's the critical moment. They get the golden point. Pretty uneventful, like you said. They they more played it safe. I think the first half of the extra time, probably the critical moment, was Kyle Felt. Yeah. He had his hands on that ball. They showed the replay. It was agonizingly close to him scoring that. Um, Sharks had a late field goal crack which got charged down second stanza basically had nothing in it at all Yeah, it's just a back and forth and then comes Valentine Holmes against his former club and he, he's kicked a couple of cracker field goals and he's a very good goal kicker but from 45 out it didn't look pretty but my god he pumped it Yeah, it was a perler um, and we talked about Tamalolo from that poor moment to start of the game he was huge he had some critical carries Scored the try, a couple of line breaks, offloads, 270 metres, but he also gave the quick play the ball for that one to nudge the field goal. So um, I think, like we said, huge for both, but I think in particular to go home for the next two weeks, not be in Sydney and have a home preliminary final, I think the preliminary final is an even bigger advantage for North Queensland than it would have been for Cronulla, given, not saying home ground doesn't matter for them, but Shark Park's very different to Allianz or Acor. Definitely. The Country Bank Stadium up there for North Queensland and what they live and breathe up there in that whole environment is going to be absolutely mental for either the Eels or the Raiders to walk into. That is a huge advantage. Of course. Yeah. Huge advantage. So, um, I guess in the but, end... So, as we thought Shark Park would be last night. Mm, I, I think in the end here... As we thought Allianz would be today. Three of the... Actually, three of the away teams won on the weekend. Mm. Well, again, pretty crazy. we did have a little bit of disclaimer on all of them. We knew the Roosters could have been ill of health. But mm. There was other reasons. No, I'm just but... saying it just proves that... Storm Home field we were, isn't the yeah, be and end all. Yeah. But we also know finals is a different season. Definitely. But, yeah. Um, I think in the end, 94 misses in this game. Um, some really good tagging football. But, yeah. yeah, for two teams that were pretty good defensively throughout the year, we saw some holes, I guess. Or some things that other teams are going to look at. Obviously, Eels and Raiders have to get to their own game first. But on the flip side of that, I think if you're the Cowboys, um, you know, you, you're very happy with the situation you're in. As you are if you're the Panthers, when you look on the flip side of the draw, what's happened? Mm. Cronulla have played a very hard game. Seahawks and the Roosters went to absolute war, and you'd be hoping there's another war next week before they get to you. Um, plus, on the flip side of that, you've got to travel to North Queensland, lose a day. 
playing probably very warm conditions given this time of the year, it'd be even warmer. So, uh, yeah, North Queensland, huge. I was laughing when I got home after I left yours and watched Channel 9. Jonathan Thurston was as excited as the players were <laughs> uh, with what's going on. And I guess, not not to bring the point up again, but I only thought about it really when I got home again. I Not big on coincidence, but after everything that's happened with Paul Green, and he was the first Premiership winning coach and situation with the players and the club there, I'm sure a lot of North Queensland diehards and everybody up there is absolutely stoked at the moment. Absolutely. Um, so that's pretty awesome for them. But probably my, my biggest thing I took away from this, I was impressed with Fitzgibbon in the press conference. He didn't want to buy into what happened with the bin. He's just moving on. He's focused on the job ahead. And I think you even brought up Journo straight away, went to the 93 minutes and are they going to be a bit tired and this and that. And didn't you say he basically said that's 13 minutes of extra conditioning? Well, he said it's 13 and, minutes of conditioning Game for the so. week and we won't be doing any drill. Like, mm. can be overstated. Like, if Cronulla get beat next week, I can see the headline now. Yeah. Oh, you know, that last week's game took it out of him. That, that won't be an issue. 13 minutes is not going to be an issue. Yeah. Particularly um, when you take into consideration that they're going to play the Roosters and Souths. Well, they're now going to play Souths, who come out of today's game, which was far more brutal than last night's game, mm. on a shorter turnaround. So... Mm. Yeah, you can make of all of this what you want. Well, both teams certainly will be looking at their defence um, and <laughs> some of the moments they come up with. Cowboys, no doubt that'll be their focus to tighten up their edges and particularly the connection between their back row and half because that's a space that they sort of got pulled apart on. But other than that, um, they had some really good contributors. I thought Drinkwater was outstanding. He had a really yeah. good game. Um, Peter Hiku, like we said, bit of a revival under Peyton last year. The Warriors followed him here for the Cowboys. I think he's been a real unsung hero, along with Townsend this year for them. Um, it's probably understated how much work he gets through, but he was massive last night. I think he had 20-plus carries. I know that try was a runaway, but he ran for 320 metres. He was he was brilliant. Um, Tomalolo really come out of his own. I think a lot of their pack did. You know, Cotter was good again. Um, a lot of those guys were outstanding, but even like Tommy did, to come back from what he had, they said he could potentially miss a month. He's only missed two weeks. Some good moments from him and... I think Luciano, while he's had some holes in his game, he had a critical moment for one of those tries where he created a nice overlap when he skipped across. Um, so his contribution was pretty good. But for the Sharks, Nico Hines was the real standout. He had a hand in most of the tries. Very big game from him. The link up with Moylan. Moylan was good in attack, poor defensively, though. He had, I think, 10 misses. And they really, really worked him over and exposed him a few times. He wasn't alone. In that regard, like Wade Graham missed seven, I think. Nikora next to Moylan, obviously a bit of clean-up work. He had five or six misses as well. But, um, yeah, I think for them, same deal. A lot of look at their defense. But Mulatalo and a lot of those guys out of the backfield were really busy. I thought McInnes had a really good contribution. Rudolph on return. Braley was pretty good as well. But similar deal. Defensive focus, certainly, for both teams out of that game Um, and what they do moving forward. And the Sharks are going to have to tighten up because if there's one thing we know about uh, South Sydney, they... They're going to throw the kitchen sink in terms of what they do in attack and good ball shapes, Cody Walker, Latrell, etc. Um, yeah. So they're certainly going to need to tighten up, that's for sure. I didn't know the times. I'm assuming both those games are going to be night games as well. Yeah, both You'd night think. games, yeah. Friday, Saturday night. Just that's one thing. Again, today, anytime you see South play daytime football, they just absolutely thrive in the daytime football, and it's right. Yeah. It suits them to a T, but yeah, 8 o'clock. Uh, on a Saturday night. The way the weather is at the moment, uh, probably won't be too bad, but I haven't looked at the weather this week. I think Thursday is supposed to be an absolute... 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Downpour, uh, but we'll wait and see how the, work, how the week pans out. But yeah, moving on to the last game. Roosters versus South 3014 South Prevail. I honestly don't know how to describe this at all. Chaos, mayhem. War. It was war. Um, like, honestly, I think it was like six sin bins, five HIAs, about 50 handbags at 12 paces, 10 laydowns, 20 facials, and everybody after that needs therapy and a holiday. Mm. It was insane. Um, there was. Seemed like a fracas broke out almost every second set. There was blokes getting dropped left, right, and centre. I think there's a few people that might be a little bit nervous at the judiciary this week. Um, I think Milne got set to the bin twice. Burgess got binned a tackle after he should have probably got binned for taking Tedesco, which ends up not letting them activate their 18th man. Then on the flip side of that, there was one for Cheekham to get activate. Like there's so many things to come out of this game. It was just, it was nuts. Yeah. Uh, and it probably, it, what what I kind of took out of this, and I, I don't know if you would agree, I, mean, I don't know if Roosters fans would be happy with me saying this, but I think two guys in particular who probably needed to compose themselves a little bit, given the circumstances and given the injuries they had early on, let them down. I think Victor Adley and Jared let the Roosters down, in my By opinion. By being too aggressive and ill-disciplined? Like, I, I still felt like there was moments there, and full credit to South, they defended really well, but it felt like, each time there was a moment there where there was a sin bin or something about to go their way, one of those two guys either had an error or come up with a penalty and got binned at a time where, given the injuries and the circumstance they were in, yeah. they just needed to hold their head for two seconds. Like, that's a total moment. I didn't know that was going to be a sin bin, but after all the escalations and all the issues, how Victor Radley, I know, probably had his emotions on tilt, ran in again and escalated it. Like, he was always going as well. Yeah. Jared, couple of drops, and then the head slam. Like, it was another one of those periods again where you don't need to... You've got Sinbin at this time. You've got the advantage and even things out again. They had 20 minutes up against 11. They didn't score a try. And yeah. in all those periods, it was one of those two that either got penalised or dropped the ball or got binned again in a time where I thought, with the injuries and issues you have here, this is the one little bit where you need to just get into a period of football and focus or harness a bit of discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, Jared, at this point in time, has been a lot better, I guess in the past four or five years at the back end of his career. Victor Radley, I guess my question at this point in time is when's the penny going to drop? Because there's now lots of little moments, the concussions, the tackling style, penalties, and I love Victor Radley, don't get me wrong. And I'm, I'm, I bloody was talking about him winning the comp. So I'm certainly not a Roosters hater or a basher, but I think today watching that myself, those two for me, under the circumstances, I'm not saying they win, but in all the critical periods where I thought they got a slight leg up, I thought those two certainly couldn't keep their emotions in check and let them down. Yeah, I get it. That's fair enough. Um, that, I, yeah. Look, I, I think both. they've been lauded plenty of times for being that aggressive and actually having it mm. result in positive play for their team. So, look, I yeah, it's a double-edged sword, and this is unfortunately the other the other edge of it. Sometimes they they go the other way and get things wrong. And like Radley's yeah. first bin, like the emotion, Milne got him. Milne's nuts at the best of times, but. 
he held on to him for a little bit too long. And straight away, he's got involved in the scuffle and throwing a little sneaky right hand. Like, it's five minutes into an elimination final. Mm. Why? Like, why do you do that? Yeah. And I don't know the second one Because they're hot, man. They're, uh, they're yeah, I know. Trying to be aggressive. Gotta, and you've, I understand. I'm just saying. You've bitten in. Like, there's a way to be aggressive, and then there's just stupidity. Yeah. And it's five minutes into the final. Put him straight on the back foot. Um, and the second one, again, I know, again, they were especially hot at that point in time. But it's that moment there was huge. If Tatalo gets that face press and they pick up on it, maybe some people would say they wouldn't pick up on it if he didn't come in and start a scuffle. The bunker may have not tipped him up. I see both sides, but I just felt like any time they got a slight edge that one or two of their senior guys or their middles let him down. Um, and it disappoints me because there's no bigger Jared fan in particular than me. I yeah. love Jared. Yeah. But Radley for me now has been lauded for, basically you're saying, lauded for a long period of time, but the last few years between injury, concussion and suspension, if I'm at the Roosters, I'm at a bit of a tipping point now. Not to say you get rid of him, but you really need... You can't be missing games every two or three weeks. You can't be getting Sinbin. You can't be getting KO'd all the time. You can be aggressive, but you also have to be a little bit smarter about what you're doing. Um, yeah. But for them, um, under the circumstances, we talked about it. Leading into the game, Tupo obviously doesn't end up blasting. He, he goes half a game. Tedesco was a huge moment. Um, and again, I... It's probably not the best circumstance to bring it up in because they were on demand. Middles had to play big minutes and that, but I thought the comments this week from Suwali's manager or mentor or whatever it is to say that Suwali's the future, he's the Michael Jordan and Tedesco has to go. Like, you saw the difference today when he went to fullback. And it's not saying he won't be a good fullback because he's only a baby. But you, if you're a Roosters fan or you're out there like today, you underestimate what James Tedesco does. You saw it when he was gone. Yeah. Play one, two the double-up efforts, the kick returns, the talking day even when they put the camera on Swali where he's pointing, barely talking. There's so much more to what James Tedesco does. And there's no doubt in a couple of years' time, and even we've lauded the ability of Swali, he's going to be a hell of a football player, but even the ball-playing side of things at this point in time, every time he seemed to get numbers on the edge there, he looked to run first. He didn't really come up with a pass. Like, the, Yeah, I think it's very underestimated. And those comments, not by him, uh, by the mentor slash manager this week, just... For that situation to work out the way it did and land the way it did today, I've probably come back to bite a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think I get the feeling after watching that game that they took each other out. Mm. It's going to be very, very difficult for South to well, back that up. You think Burgess week, but... Burgess would get? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. Let's see how the week plays out. I don't know if the charge sheets out. I can mm. try and have a look, but. Um... I doubt it. Yeah, Milne, obviously, two as well. Two shots and got bin both times, so you'd think maybe he'd have something to answer for. I, th- I don't... The, this fine system still confuses me, but I know Burgess got a decent charge earlier in the year in that Sharks game where he got sent off or sin in the extra time. So I don't know where he is on that sheet or if he can get it reduced or fine at this point this season. Yeah. And vice versa for Milne. I'm pretty sure he's been fined a couple of times and he got two today, so I don't know if that's going to work out either. But I guess for them, the positive here, their goal line defense, and I know, again, Roosters were compromised with the players that they were missing, but I, I felt like they had ample opportunity and they were their own worst enemy, not only with their discipline, but Angus Crichton comes up with that huge try and then he come up with two of the biggest moments that flipped the game on its head. He come up with an error coming you know, out of yardage, oh, sorry, out of their own end and then a penalty to flip the field when they had 11 and then just before he got his head knocked, he made another error come out of yardage, which just allowed the pressure to build. Yeah. And that was a point where it really turned. And second half, same deal. Kiri threw a forward pass, play one. Egan Butcher made a couple of drops early. Like they just 
never really gave themselves a chance. And Kiri and that tried to orchestrate. I think Walker looked a little bit overwhelmed today in the circumstances without a couple of guys on the field to help. Um, but yeah, I thought Kiri certainly tried his hardest and then the Guama forward pass is probably a key moment for them. If they grab that try of 10 to go, they're potentially within four. Walker's yeah. goal kicking earlier would have been very helpful as well. That pro- potentially could have been 24 all if he kicked the first two. Yeah, um, I know where they were kicking from is hard, but he kicked 11 from 11 or 12 from 12 the other week, so it wasn't his best day. Mm. But season over, a uh, bit of a bit of turnover of them, and full credit to South. Um, they turned up. Cody Walker's pass selection after you know that first 25, 30 minutes where it felt like the Roosters were all over him, he picked apart that edge. He was outstanding. Uh, I thought the troll was pretty quiet, but it didn't sort of have any big impact on the game because I thought their forward pack did a hell of a lot in terms of getting them downfield, clean-up work, Arrow, Murray, Kalamatungi again, um, all that sort of back road trio I thought were outstanding. Mm. They played really, really well. Tass has slowly grown across the year. I think Campbell Graham coming back in was definitely an upgrade on what they had last week, but great win for them. And, uh, yeah, I guess, like you said, we just see now the toll that's taken from this game. Yeah. And if those couple of guys get charged or don't get charged... Uh, plus a couple of failed HIAs. I think Tom failed his in the end. Um, yeah. So there's a couple of guys on that side of things as well. So like we talked about, you bring up Cronulla last night, but I think at least they got through healthy um, in terms of injuries and, and head knocks. Whereas you're looking at today's game and the war that was with a day less turnaround and a couple of guys having to go through the concussion protocol and probably some judiciary stuff. Mm. Um, I think it'll be a great game, but yeah, South's probably got a few more concerns health-wise than what Cronulla do at this point, Tom. Yeah. But... Yeah, for the Roosters, um, weird year, but it's over now. <laughs> so, thought uh, Lodge was good again. Nat Butcher had a really, really strong back end of the year, Kiri. And Tokyo, and what was his last game? I thought he was pretty good as well. Um, but, yeah, just to think that they had no bench left, basically, and then the 8th man thing sort of hurt a little bit or took away an option that their middles had to really dig deep. Yeah, yeah definitely. But, yeah, that, that, was, that was something else, honestly. Like I said, all those things that these blokes need a holiday and some therapy. That was another experience. Absolutely, absolutely fucking madness. But uh, let's jump in and review the seasons of two of what we thought were going to be the heavyweights in the Melbourne Storm and the Sydney Roosters. Starting off with the Melbourne Storm, they finished fifth in the regular season, eighth in general now because they were eliminated first. Over under was seven and a half. We both. I think had the over, which ended up missing. Uh, they had 15 wins, nine losses. They used 32 players. Um, they were first in attack. A lot of that has to do with the attack in the first 10 rounds, obviously. Yeah, definitely. They chalked up some massive scores. Defensively, they were still fourth, which surprised me because that felt like things got a bit loose at the back end of the year, and their away record was 7-5. and five. But after an 8-1 and one start, and you're looking at this team going like, wow, um, bar Welch, which was a big hole, Spine's ticking over. Forward pack's looking good. A couple of these guys are up for their last season before they moved on to the Dolphins. Then we hit magic round. They're missing six or seven players. Penrith give them a bit of a touch-up. The Cowboys touch them up on the back of that. And then the origin period hits. Um, Pappenhausen misses an extended period, then shatters his knee. They lose four in a row. Hughes gets some injuries. Remus Smith only ends up playing, I think, nine games. Tui was missing with a back for a long period of time. George played one game. Uh, it just all sort of fell apart. And then on the back of the four losses, they just had a bit of a patch on the back run. They won three in a row and 
sort of looked like they were sorting things out with that reshuffle with Munster to try and spark something and work around Hughes being under a cloud and missing some games and Manny plugging a hole. And then they lost two games against two of the better sides coming to the finals in the Roosters and Parra where you sort of looked and thought again, if they can get Hughes on the field, you know, maybe they're a chance of coming to week two or week three. But yeah. um, I think for them, again, the, the toll of the year, a lot of guys playing a lot more footy than they probably hoped or expected they would have had to. And just the situation where they ended up, uh, a lot of those guys, like we said, that are moving on, I think it is the right time for them to move on. You know, that they ran out of steam. Yeah. They really did. And um, Like I said, I think from where the spine started at the start of the year, to have those four key players and then the option of Smith as a lock or a second nine and the cover there. Welch going down after one game, I think, is probably the most underrated part of the season. I know Pappenhausen's very important, but our middle really lacked without Christian Welch. Yeah. Um, and we said it the years prior, in particular back in the last year, if, if there was an Australian team picked back in the last year, he's playing for Australia. There's so much that he brings for them in a lot of little areas, which I thought were lacking in the end from somebody, unfortunately, like Jesse, who's obviously departing from the club. But yeah. um, to have the trio, it felt like in the end, which surprised me, that Nelson and Tui were the two sort of leading that middle charge for Melbourne, yeah. which is not what I expected. I was really hoping for a big year from those guys. But just all around, like you said, the Bromwich is moving on. Felice had some family dramas, which is obviously never easy to deal with. Felt like Brandon Smith was very hot and cold um, as well. But I think on the up for Melbourne, I guess, to get where they did with an injury toll where at one point they were missing 14 of the top 30, yeah. I don't think many other clubs would have landed where they did. And I'm sure, and Bellamy seemed as much last night, sort of proud but more disappointed with the ending for the parting players and just in general because, like, honestly, Melbourne year in, year out, expect to be right up there. But I guess when you consistently hit those highs, um, you know, when you have a year like this, most people would be happy under the circumstances. But, um, you know, in their circumstances, I don't know if they would be. Yeah. Um, but from as a fan, I see one positive in particular that out of all those injuries, there's a lot of guys that got games and important games that, that wouldn't have got them. Like Alec McDonald got rolled out round one. Yeah. All the injuries they got. Like he was a kid that was playing Jersey flag. He hasn't even played Queensland Cup. He got 12 games. A first grade. Um, Eremia got 12 games. Anderson basically got thrown in, not part of the squad. Got, you know, probably 10 games as well. So there's a couple of guys there that'll be part of their squad moving forward. Um, and then I'm, I'm probably more excited, I guess, next year. You know, Welch is coming back. Remus Smith is coming back into the fold. Pappenhausen, if he could bloody stay healthy, that'd be nice. And then there's a new generation in the forward pack, really. Because um, with those guys moving on, Howth signed that five-year deal. You know, don't know what to expect there, but I've seen a lot and, and I'm excited, but it's just been health so far. I don't, he just seems to have been injured a few times any time he's looked like he's close. Mm. Eli Katoa from the Warriors, for me, so much potential, but can they get it out of him? Sims, I think, will probably turn into a front row for them at this point in his career. Um, but if they can get the best out of him for a year, paired him with Welch, Nelson and Tui, um, I'm, I'm just sort of interested to see, but... More particularly the back rows. I think I know who's going to be the front row combination with Welch and probably Sims there, but um, this Howarth ready to go. Liero come through playing mostly back row. Will they give him a look in there? Well, Ikatoa play over him and Liero stays in middle rotation. Like, There's a little bit to work out there. Mm. But I guess the big thing for them is if Pappenhausen comes back healthy, yeah, Munster, Hughes loss. and Harry are all going to be back together Usually. in that spine. When you look at what the loss of Tedesco did today to the Roosters, that's essentially what the, Roosters, uh, the Storm have been battling for the last eight to 12 weeks. Hmm. He's the spark plug to their attack. 
He's your, you know, I guess he's the guy who punches through the middle on the back of offloads. It, yeah, just a significant, significant loss. For them to make the finals, I think, was huge. For them to almost finish top four was massive. Yeah, well, last game. A massive achievement. And Hughes obviously yeah. wasn't playing. Uh, That's right. You throw Hughes into that game, I'm not sure they win, but I think it's a lot closer. Mm. But I think great year for Harry. Um, I thought Munster was obviously great to start with, and then the circumstances at the end were hard. But again, full credit to him. It was, it was hit and miss, but he was handling a lot. He was doing everything, really, and overplaying his hand a little bit. Hughes, before the, the injury sort of hit, and I think Nelson, that's his best year in first grade. Um, I know there's a lot of controversy at the back end there, but he really carried us forward through that period. Um, but no surprise, most of those guys are... The spine players, and then, like I said, those few young guys that got a bulk of games off the back of the injuries. Many will be better for the experience of playing a full year of multiple positions. Josh King, I thought, flattened out a bit, but realistically, for a guy that's played 100 games, he hasn't played a full season starting or playing big minutes. Mm-hmm. He was getting 50, 60 minutes. He played 25 games, so hopefully he's better again next year as well after his first real full-time full season in the NRL, even mm-hmm. though he's played you know, a lot of bit minutes. Prior, but yeah, I guess our biggest question for them next year is the new forward pack. Essentially, with that spine coming back healthy, hopefully. <laughs> uh, the back line's still going to be good. You got Olam, Remus coming back in. Still interested to see Warbrick. Didn't get to see him this year if he comes in to the mix on one of those wing spots. Um, Coates, injury in the middle of the year after starting so well. So it's going to be a lot younger, Melbourne Storm. But absolutely. Again. I'm sure Craig Bellamy and what basically looks like will be his last season will be rearing to go. Um, But yeah, I think that pretty much sums up their season. Roosters uh, finished sixth in the regular season, eliminated seventh today, over under 16.5. We went over again. They just fell short, 15 wins and nine losses. Um, They used 26, so not as much as what you think, but I guess the point is the guys that were missing at the times they were missing were key players. Away record was 6-6. They were fourth in attack, fifth defensively, but I think for them, similar deal what we just talked about before. Their early season form where they basically were one win, one loss, one win, one loss, really hurt. And it come around key positions. Kiri started off rusty. Him and Walker weren't really working. Their style of play, Tedesco, almost no off-season, off-surgery. Started fairly slowly. Like everyone started really slow for the Roosters. There's a lot of guys off surgery and off an extended period of rest and key critical losses that I marked down. The Newcastle loss, round one. The Bulldogs game. The Anzac Day clash that was in and out, but they're, they're three sort of games you look at. Um, and then I think another one we talked about at the time, kitchen sink game off the back of Origin. They played all their players against Melbourne. Yeah, and they kind of looked at that thinking maybe we need to get them now and try and win that game Melbourne rested a few and still ended up finding a way to win um, and at that point in time there was real questions about whether they were going to make the 8 mm-hmm. um, and then they sort of had a spark plug moment where they played that game against Penrith in round 16 and in all honesty they looked like the better team on the night and they ended up getting pipped but that sort of was the catalyst off the back of a good origin period for a couple of those guys that started slow Joey Manu through that up and down period was obviously outstanding. There was some confidence building between a couple of guys, but Angus shot himself out of a cannon after Origin. Teddy was back to best form, coupled with Manu and Suwali, then ended up pairing on the right. Kiri come back from that KO and was outstanding. They got back to playing how we thought they would. 
through the middle, that power game with Lodge getting tossed in in the end there with JWH just ignited things and Tokiawa was off the back of that. Um, and then nine was a big, big issue. Mm. They had halves combinations and changes there, but nine all year. It was Watson, it was Hutchison. It wasn't until Ferrell's sort of got health at the back end that they had stability in that position as well. Mm. They reeled off eight in a row to get to the finals and were looking very, very dangerous. And then that last round that we talked about where you potentially rest some players, um, you know, it sort of caught up with them again. They came into this game with Tupo under a cloud. Jared only lasted 10 minutes the week before. Suwali was rested. And then you look what happened today. It's That's that's football. Absolutely. In the end, yeah. like, you can't plan for those things. But Tedesco getting KO'd early. <laughs> 18 minutes in, he'd already had 125 metres and had a huge imprint on the game. As <laughs> soon as he went out, like you could see a big change in how things were going. Um, Radley getting pinned early was a key moment. Two power only lasted half. The other knockouts to basically end up with zero bench for the second half. And then emotionally, I just think, you know, like Robinson summed it up himself. They When they had the periods of football, South played football. Um, and he said both teams obviously led to the game heading into chaos. But I think underlying in those comments, I think he was more pointing that his team certainly was more in the chaos than they were the football. But Yeah. Um, I, I guess for them, again, the slow start hurts. They probably should have been a top four side. Um, and they warmed, they warmed their way into things yeah. nicely and looked like a real threat. But again, you lose a couple of those games and you you have that lighter preseason for a reason. Those guys clearly needed that rest. Yeah, and then you... But yeah. he the, caught them the, on the back end because well, they, they yeah, come home just, with a wet sail, but they sort of played their finals Cronulla games. means and the Cowboys jump you early in the year. Yeah, and they sort of played their finals games early. And no, it's no knock on Cronulla, but I said it at the time when we talked about it. Their draw this year was awesome. They got back-to-back... The top three teams, all during Origin, all affected. Yeah. And they knocked all three of them off, which pretty much secured that top four spot. Because the back end of the year, they didn't play a top eight team. And they went 10 from their last 11 on yeah. the back of that. Whereas the Roosters, I guess, you drop games early in the year when you're working your way through your form against teams that don't end up making the eight. And they're the ones that cost you a top four spot when you finally work things out. And you start knocking off a couple of those teams. Like a yeah. CRC, you're going to play. Like a Cowboys like a Parramatta, et cetera, who are all in the eight. Melbourne, they knocked off all those teams on that run-in. But you essentially had to play a final series to get to the finals, and health all year sort of caught up with them, and it really bit at the worst time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I thought they did a good job again. They covered up for Satili, who was one of their key players. Nat went into the back row, did a good job there. Um, obviously, Manu was a, a huge loss for today's game. He certainly would have been helpful. Uh, but all those injuries at the back end and... Again, just sort of come back to bite. And I think for them, I guess we look towards next year and similar deal. It's a little bit of a change for them. Uh, there's a couple of guys coming to the back end. Jared, I think he's into the last year of his contract. There's a couple of guys there in that sense. But Toki Aho has been so good for him for a long period of time. Injured last year, a little bit under the weather this year. He finished strong. He's heading overseas. They've got a couple of guys already let go, like Lamb, Volkman, etc who were more cap decisions and fringe sort of players, but Brandon Smith goes there now. Verrill's gone. So how does this spine now look with a very different sort of nine, a very aggressive running type of nine, whereas they generally want good early service and more of things to revolve off their halves and their fullback. So I'm interested to see how Brandon sort of works into... Yeah, it will be very interesting. ...how they want to play. And, you know, Kieran Walker, for the back end of your experience, should start a lot better next year now they've played together. Um, Teddy there, and then this... Situation now with Suwali is very interesting. Like we know he's got that option year in year out, but for those comments to come out the week of a final from his mentor slash manager, I thought were very strange. Uh, but at the end of the day, 
I think Uncle Nick will handle things as he best sees fit, and if they're not happy with the situation, they can go and play rugby. Mm. Simple. Because I highly doubt they're going to follow the words of the mentor and have to get rid of James Tedesco. James Tedesco will not be leaving the Roosters anytime soon if he's playing good football. Yeah. So. Um, Why? Well, no, absolutely not. In the end, I, I guess, would you say it was a disappointment? I think it was a great achievement to get into the finals given For the, the way Roosters? they started. I think. For the Roosters, it was a disappointing year. But the way they started, more hurts. more for where they where they ended up, mm. ended up in that elimination game. That I think what you said earlier, just that the way they started. Yeah. yeah, they were literally. I think I don't know if they put two wins together. They sort of went one on one off. Well, they got rolled by Newcastle around that whole way, so. and then off that Penrith mm. game, like we said, they reeled off eight in a row to mm. get themselves in to sixth, and they were still only I think one win off top four. So take back one of those poor games that we talked about there for and against, they would have been a top four team. Um, so, yeah, I guess for them, like we said next year, just interesting to see what direction they're going. I think the only player that is new to their team is Brandon Smith Yeah. at this point in time. So with that being the case, a couple of these younger guys that we didn't see a lot of after they played a lot of footy last year, like Baker got a couple of games, but... Took a out to Pua, played a lot of cup, ended up back down at Flegg. Nafahu White played a lot of cup again this year. It's sort of the progression of those guys. And I ran off of Tony, who I really liked. He had a bad knee injury come back at the back end of the year. But you probably need a little bit more of those guys pushing into your bench spots. I mean, Egan Butcher showed plenty of potential. He probably just needs to clean up his errors. Um, yeah, I agree. But yeah, Crichton's staying. I think the only contract they don't have sorted now is the Lodge situation. Lodge has obviously been paid really, really well from a couple of clubs to leave. So I, I think for the Roosters and Lodge, surely you want to come to an agreement, at least for 12 months. <laughs> for Matty, I know, like, again, they're saying he's built some, bought some ridiculous house in Manly. Warriors are going to pay him a stack next year. Brisbane already paid him a stack. I don't really know what number you need to get to, but I think it's in his best interest to probably stay at the Roosters for another 12 months, and it's in their best interest as well. Agree. Yeah, so. 100%. There you go. That wraps up those two teams. Not probably who we expected to be talking about getting eliminated in week one, but speaks to what we said about this top eight. It's probably one of the deepest top eights we've seen in a long time. And um, two teams in sort of different circumstances are finding their ways to the eight have been the big names of probably the last decade, gone week one. Yeah. So now we look forward to a final series moving forward with the Panthers and the Cowboys awaiting on either side of the draw. The Raiders and the Eels, who will play this Friday at Combank Stadium. Uh, and then on the flip side of that, you've obviously got the Sharks up against Souths at Allianz on Saturday to go play in the prelims. And with bluebet.com.au, the odds for those games at the moment, Parramatta are a $1.55 favourite. The Raiders, two forty five Outsiders, four and a half is the line there. And the Sharks-Rabbitohs game is a $1.90 pick'em game at the moment. Uh, that, yeah, that's interesting to me. Minus one and a half to the Sharks. I sort of like Seas, to be honest. But yeah, I'd I, like to see the judiciary. I've got absolutely no idea about that game right right now. Mm. Until we see the wash of both those games, I'd be Lenny Crenar. Mm. And the premiership market off the back of this round, Penrith have tightened even more with bluebet.com.au. They're $1.80. Cowboys now second favourite on the line of betting at five fifty. The Eels, seven fifty. Souths are into ten dollars. Sharks now out to ten dollars, and the Raiders were fifty plus and now nineteen. So big, uh, big turnaround there to make the grand final. 
No surprise, the two prelim favourites, $1.40, $1.70. The Eels, $3.00, next one favourite to get back in. South, $4.75, and the Raiders and Sharks. So there you go. It doesn't sound like a lot of confidence in the Sharks. There's $6.00 now with the Raiders to get uh, themselves back into the grand final. And um, in other competitions over the weekend, we saw the New South Wales Cup. The Bears gone back-to-back. So Roosters feeder out with their first-grade team. <laughs> um, the Bulldogs playing from uh, the elimination games have knocked off Parramatta and the Bears, so they'll now face the Newtown Jets, the Sharks feeder, in the prelim next week. And the Jersey flag, the Roosters are still alive. They lost to Newcastle to go straight to the grand final. They have a ding-dong match next week against the Panthers, who obviously dropped a couple of kids who played some cup footy across the weekend. So that'll be good. A couple of good uh, cup games and flag games next weekend. If you're looking for them, you can find them on... New South Wales uh, Rugby League website or the Facebook page. Surely one of those games will be on Fox. Um, I couldn't believe that neither of them were on Fox this weekend. And even the Queensland well, Cup. Mind, one yeah. of them was on, but yeah, the Queensland Cup still going as well. Um, Burley, who have been dominant for a long period of time, along with North Devils, who won it last year. Those two uh, both are waiting to play next week. Uh, I think it was Melbourne's feeder, Sunny Coast today, knocked off Tweed. And Capras were eliminated last night. So I think the Burley and North and Sunshine Coast versus Redcliffe. Redcliffe uh, obviously looking to do well. I think three or four of the guys in that team, Setu Tu, Trey Fuller, a couple of those guys have been contracted to the NRL squad next year. So um, they'd be obviously looking to make a bit of noise before coming to the NRL competition. And then the NRLW, which has been going for a few weeks, I think last round next weekend. Uh, the two undefeated teams, I watched that game today, that was a corker. Newcastle versus the Roosters. Roosters got into a bit of a hole at the back end of the game, but Isabel Kelly with a runaway in the end, they're, they're still undefeated. Yeah, I think the Roosters were leading 12-0 at halftime. I saw I saw bits and pieces. Seven it. minutes in, they were two tries up, and then yeah, Newcastle yeah. come after him. The the front row, Caitlin Johnston, who was great for New South Wales in the year, made a big, big impact on the game, but huge play by Kelly uh, to pick up a loose pass. Ended up being the difference, so I think they're locked in. And we talked about it yesterday. I think Parramatta, even though they haven't won a game, can potentially get in next week. So they have to beat Brisbane by eight, and then I think the Titans have to lose. And they can yeah. sneak in somehow to the four. But that's how things are, I guess, with the short format at this point in time. So, um, I would have even liked to have seen him put both competitions... Like, just have a longer competition this year. Like I know they it allows them to award... Two premierships, but yeah, to make. I don't know whether it would have been better to have. I guess they're two completely different competitions as well, because you've got different girls playing for different teams. Um, No, but it's. I think the timing of the girls' competition is smart because it it puts them on that stage, and you know when we don't have eight NRL games every weekend, you've got. The four girls games, plus you've got, like you say, the the other minor competitions going on, the state cup competitions, plus your NRL finals. It's yeah, it's a good time of the year. There's plenty happening, and mm. yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the girls, the standard of the girls game has in, increased. I think just immensely, even since the conclusion of the last competition. Hundred so percent. Good to so, see. Uh, obviously, the Roos, like we said, they're locked in, undefeated, with one game to go against the Titans, so I don't know if they'll rest players, which might disadvantage Parramatta, but Brisbane, um, same deal. They, they just have to win. If they do, they're in, but if the Eels beat them and turn the four and against around and the Titans lose, I think it's about 
eight points uh, turnaround, they'll find themselves in with only one win. Yeah. So that would be interesting, but it seems like those top three are definitely clear from everybody else. The Dragons, we watched them get a bit of a touch-up from the Roosters last weekend. Newcastle looked today to be a real contender, a real competitor with them. So at the moment, it looks like it's uh, the Roosters and probably Newcastle, but yeah, those top three seem clear in a way. Brisbane were dominant for so long, but again, with a spreading of the talent, Lauren Brown, one of their better players, to make her up to the fullback, a couple of girls went elsewhere, Millie Boyle. So that's obviously what you're going to expect as it expands further. Talent's going to dilute more money for marquee places at new clubs. Girls are going to move on. So they're feeling a bit of that this year. Mm. And then you've got Newcastle, who obviously recruited very well after coming last last year, made some good decisions, got a couple of local girls, spent some money um, on the up. So interested <laughs> to see when it gets to 10. But yeah, very excited for next week as we talked about. Um, the two prelims look outstanding. The two elimination games this weekend are great games of football as well. And then there's lots of interest in some of that lower tier football as well and how that's all going to pan out. So if you're looking for a bit more of a feel because there's only two games, look at the QRL website, look at the New South Wales Rugby League website. I'm sure you'll be able to find live streams on Facebook or their websites. And I think Fox usually covers one or two of those games from each. So you'll probably find a Queensland Cup game. I've seen one on KO. I don't know what it actually looks like on the Foxtel program one because obviously KO can run individual games or programs at you know the same time yeah but yeah if you're looking for your field next weekend I'd check the QRL and New South Wales Rugby League's website so you can find a bit of extra action <laughs> but there you go that wraps us up as we said uh, doing the double ups until we reach the end of the season so season reviews for the Storm and the Roosters review of week one of the finals we'll be back on Wednesday night to preview the two finals games we've got this weekend, break them down and look at uh, some uh, you know odds and give our tips thanks to bluebet.com.au. And I guess in the end, we'll see how our Penrith Solar Centre power rankings pan out in terms of who we thought was most likely to win to least likely to win. But obviously, two of the teams that we had in the top four are through to the prelim. Um, no surprise there with the advantage that they have. But yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thank you, bluebet.com.au. Thank Good weekend you. to footy. Penrith Solar Centre, what an absolutely outstanding first week of finals football. Hopefully week two is as much of a belter and this final series in general just turns out being an absolute rip snorer because if, if that's the standard we've got to live by after the first week, I'm excited. I'm excited. And I, I don't know about you, but Kev. I think if we can, we should go with Friday night. What do you mean? To Combank. Oh, yeah. I reckon that's worth a look. I don't know if I'll venture into Alliance for the other one, but I reckon Raiders, Eels... Yeah. Would be an interesting one to go see on Friday. So we might have to look into that. Might have to look into might it, have Matt. To look into it, Matt. I'm sure Buzz will be at Allianz, a bit nervous after they lost the game at Shark Park. I'll be very interested to hear what he has to say tomorrow night, Matt. Hmm. Hmm. there you go. If your team got eliminated like me, condolences. Um, but on the flip side of that, if your team's moved on, Congratulations. Hopefully another ripper week ahead. And for now, we'll speak to you again on Wednesday. Enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it?
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.